One of our biggest challenges lately at our home is to figure out how to teach a three-year-old respect. They are now at this time trying to be more independent and learning to think for themselves. On really good days, they can be pretty sweet and adorable and easy to talk to. But the reality is that there are more days when they just can be a challenge. Well, there are also times or instances that they are just, we are just aren't sure how you're supposed to respond to them. One of our child's favorites nowadays is a song old MacDonald. She learned it from school. And she loves to sing it a lot. Sometimes she tries to even be creative about that song. And one of her quirks nowadays is to say things that she wants to do or she likes to do, but when you actually gave it to her, she will not actually really do it. One time she was uh, being demanding and uh, pushing her boundaries, and so mommy was trying to discipline her and teach her. My wife was telling her, along the lines of, Nona, you keep on asking things, but you aren't really doing what you're saying. It's all talk. You keep on talking and talking, and you're not doing what you are talking about. And then, out of her surprise, the kid responded out of nowhere, randomly, and a talk-talk here, and a talk-talk there, here a talk, there a talk, everywhere a talk-talk, old MacDonald had a farm. And then she left and stopped whining. Hi, sometimes I wonder... Where did she ever get those silliness? You know, hearing that brought me a good laugh. It's pretty funny for a three-year-old, but sometimes I wonder, how would that actually have come across or have felt if adults like you and I would express or convey similar attitudes or behavior? Or much more, have you ever thought, how would those times when we actually treat God the same way? Many times we often say and know in our hearts that God must be honored, that He deserves our utmost respect. But more often than not, we take Him for granted, for which is often evidenced in our actions, in the choices, the decisions that we make. We know that God knows what is best, and He often has set His standards and expectations that He desires of His people, and yet most of the time we really don't take them to heart. Rather, we settle for mediocrity and expect God to just be content with what we can offer and do for Him. It is not hard to recognize that God extends to us so much grace that should cause us to bring Him the honor that is due Him, yet we fail to cultivate a heart of humility before Him and feel even entitled, not realizing that we are undeserving of any favor from God. How is God calling us to best demonstrate our pursuit to honor Him? And how does God respond when honoring Him is not taken seriously? We will be looking into this matter from the book of Malachi. This is the last book in the Old Testament. And join with me as we study and learn from chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. Chapter 2, verse 1 reads, And now, O priests, this commandment is for you. A little way of background, it was around 5th century BC after the Jews had been exiled. They are now back together as a nation. They are starting together in their homeland. They are getting themselves back up. So is the temple. It is now being revived and they are being put together again as a people of God. However, 
the Jews had been spiritually far from God and they have been heavily influenced by paganism. And as a result, they have lost the essence of upholding the things of God. In those days, God appointed a unique role called priests. They were from the tribe of Levi and they were specifically chosen by God and tasked to direct and lead the people to honor and obey Him. You see, being a priest was a high calling. They were directly accountable to God and they were responsible to God as they represent God to the people. Therefore, having such a great duty and privilege, it comes with a great responsibility. So does God also had high expectations from them. You see, the very essence of a priest's duty was to bring honor and glory to God. To be God's advocate before the people so they can approach God appropriately, that He deserves of it, and that they can know God's ways and are able to live by it. However, if we see the context and the verses prior to the section we will study today, we were told how the priests were actually taking God very lightly. They did not think of God as their great and sovereign king that they should fear and give due respect. Therefore, they did not live according to His covenant instructions. Their actions exemplified that they were really not taking their job seriously. They were profaning their responsibility and did not carry out their role to heart. And this caused God great disappointment. Therefore, what follows are God's warnings in relation to the failings of the priesthood of Malachi's day. And later on, he will also contrast it with God's high expectations of them and how they were supposed to be fulfilling the role that was entrusted to them. Now, you may be thinking, I'm not a priest. What does this have to do with me? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter exhorts the believers back then and said, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Yes, believers today are no longer in need of priests because we have direct access to God. In fact, we do have the privilege of being called a royal priesthood. While we do not perform Old Testament functions and responsibilities or duties, but just as priests were responsible before God and were to represent Him to the people, we in the same way are accountable to Him and are His ambassadors in this world. And for that, God also sets the same high standards and expectations from us, His people today. That is why these verses, these principles that we will be talking about, speaks to us just the same. And so what we will see in the following verses is that God is going to emphasize two specific areas of concern, specifically on how His reverence and righteousness should be treated. And in both subjects, God is going to address it by giving a warning or a rebuke as well as an exhortation or a challenge to the people. Let's move on and read verses 2 and 3. If you will not hear and if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already because you do not take it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your faces 
the refuse of your solemn feast, and one will take you away with it. The first matter that God addresses is with regards to giving reverence to Him. Now, what is reverence anyway? You see, the word that the Bible often uses actually means to fear. It, to fear is, doesn't necessarily mean terrified. Rather, it is a deep posture of re- respect, a sincere awe. As we have been told in the previous context that the priests were actually going through the motions of performing their duties, what they were specifically doing was that they were accepting blemished sacrifices from the people and they allowed that to be offered to God. And God was indeed insulted by this, that they were allowing such things that they themselves would not even give to the governor and yet they would give to God. And so God says and warns them, instead of giving them a blessing, He's going to bring curses and burdens, and they will, God will allow them to face hardships. In essence, God is saying, I'm going to strip away your privileges. When God said that He was going to rebuke your descendants, what He was telling them or warning them about is that He's going to cut off their physical descendants. The implication is that since the priesthood dependent on a lineage, one day they will be terminated since their heritage will no longer continue. When God said that He was going to spread refuse in their faces, the refuse there refers to the internal waste of the sacrificial animals. You know, in their history, what they do is that they actually take out those waste first, burn it somewhere, and they don't even bring it inside the temple because they are considered unclean. They are to be immediately disposed. And so when God said that He's going to spread them to the faces of those priests, He was essentially telling them He's going to render them unclean. And in that way, they will be disposed of and be casted out of their service and their position. And so the play of words of being rebuked uh, of their descendants and to being spread of refuse in their faces In essence, what God is saying as they would be ceasing to bear children, as they would be rendered unclean, they would eventually no longer be able to continue to function and do their privilege as priests. In other words, God was saying, as you have violated giving reverence that is due to me, then I may enact discipline to you. That is the first warning to them as well as to us today when we do not take God's honor seriously. And that is, neglect of God's reverence may lead to God's discipline. Neglect of God's reverence may lead to God's discipline. See, throughout scriptures, it is evident that God has always put a premium when it comes to honoring Him. He does not sugarcoat the fact that He is to be treated with utmost respect. One good example of that is from the life of a man named Uzzah. What happened to him in 2 Samuel was that he was struck dead right there on the spot by God. What happened was that God had given the instruction that no one else touches the Ark of the Covenant except for the Levites, specifically the Kohathites. However, as they were transporting the Ark of the Covenant, they met a bump on the road and the Ark almost fell. And Uzo was there and apparently he tried to catch it and therefore he touched it. And as we were told, right there and then, he died. That was how serious God is when it comes to handling 
and respecting the things that He says. That is how serious He is when it comes to ascribing reverence to Him. Because in God's standards, paying Him the highest respect cannot be less than His best because that is what He alone deserves. You see, I think the reason that God stresses this heavily is because He desires that our lives will not just go through the motions. We will not live lives performing empty religious activity. Rather, that we be mindful on how we want to really honor the Lord. He desires that we develop a sense of sincere awe with regards to who He is and what He has done in our life. And in that way, when we develop that and have cultivated that, it will translate to bringing honor and respect that is due to Him in whatever that He asks of us to do. And you see, that is the problem of the priest in Malachi's day. They did not have the right heart. They resulted in the wrong attitude and mindset. And of course, what can we expect is that they did not do the right thing. The same can be true of you and me when we are not mindful to really be intentional in how important really God is in our life. For us to really revere Him, then we can also miss out in cultivating that reverential awe towards God. See, it is interesting to note that more often than not, whenever God specifically deals with this subject of showing reverence to Him, if it somehow relates to some kind of incident of failure, some kind of punishment or discipline usually comes with it, and it's commonly quite serious. You know, when God allows or chooses to bestow discipline, it does not mean He likes to cause hurt or to burden us. Rather, it is an act of love and care. His goal is that through this experience, through this teaching, it can grow us to one who knows Him more and one who draws close to Him more as well. I've read of the story of a woman who visited Switzerland and in one of her daily walks, she came into a sheepfold and adventuring, she saw the shepherd seated together with his flock around him. She noticed a nearby pile of straw and somehow there was a, a single sheep that was there and seemingly suffering. She looked closely and the woman noticed that her leg was broken. She sympathized with her and went out and asked the, the shepherd what happened to him. And so the shepherd responded sadly, well, I actually broke her leg myself. You see, of all the sheep in my flock, this was the most wayward. It would not obey my voice. It would not follow when I was leading the flock. In fact, on more than one occasion, it even wandered to the edge of a cliff and it even uh, led other, other sheep in the flock to join him. And so it was not only disobedient by itself, but it's leading others astray. And so based on my experience with this kind of sheep, I know I had no choice. So after I broke its leg, Actually, the next day, uh, I went back and then tried to show love and to feed, uh, but she tried to bite me. After letting it lie alone for a, a couple of days, I went back to it, and not only did it eagerly took the food, but it licked my hand. It began to show submission and affection. And so when the sheep is well, it will be, it will be my model sheep for the entire flock. No sheep will hear my voice so quickly 
nor will follow me so closely as well. Instead of leading others away, it will be an example of devotion and obedience for others to follow. In short, complete change will come into the life of this wayward sheep. It will learn submission and obedience. See, to put it in another way, just like a child who lacks respect towards his or her parents when he or she would not abide to obey their instructions, the eventual outcome must be to dispense some form of discipline. Because they realize that even if it hurts at the moment, it will be good for them in the long run. It is actually a response out of love and care to better him and to show them how loved they really are and in that way restore and strengthen even their relationship more. And so while God is a very gracious and patient God, it doesn't mean that he approves or he is okay when we take lightly giving reverence to him. My encouragement is that we take heed of God's warning. Give respect that is due to Him, ensuring that we keep a godly reverential fear because at the end of the day, it is ultimately for our good. Moving on, in verses 4 to 5, it reads this, Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, And I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. In contrast to this warning, God is now going to exhort them, to encourage them, to challenge them, that his intention was for them to get it right after they are now warned. Despite of God's disappointment, he still wanted his people to have a second chance. And so he was reminding and bringing them back to their ancestors, back to their roots on how they were able to be approved and blessed by God. You see, way back when the Israelites went out of captivity from Egypt, as God was establishing them as a people, God chose the tribe of Levi among all the tribes of Israel to fulfill the role of the priesthood. We may be wondering, what made them kind of earn or somehow merit to have that privilege of being the chosen tribe to fulfill that sacred role. This is because of a few highlights that really left a significant mark and was acknowledged by God and God was pleased and God acknowledged it as well. One of them is from Exodus chapter 32. This one was when Moses came down from the mountain and upon coming down, what he saw was that the people of Israel starting to worship an idol, a golden calf. And in his, in his anger, in his disappointment, he called out the people and he asked, who among the people here is for the Lord? And guess what? They were the Levites. They were the ones who immediately came forward and followed along with Moses. And they did what they did and took their part to be able to correct the situation and give and bring back the honor to God. Another is from Numbers 25. This one is about a specific person by the name of Phinehas. What happened in that incident was that there was also a sin that happened in that time. And because of that, Phinehas, who was also a priest, who was also from the tribe of Levi, was one who actually stood up. He was jealous for God. And he was one who really fought for the honor of God, even if there was no one else who wanted to join him. 
And so the point was that their roots, their priests back then was this way. They were this strong and committed to giving honor to God. They did whatever they can so they could be bold and they could be, exempt, be able to exemplify their high respect for God. And so is what God desires of the priesthood as well as us today. And that is God's encouragement and challenge for us. It is to uphold the reverence for God in highest regard. Uphold reverence for God in highest regard. God was reminding and pointing them back to the fact that what they have today was because of how their ancestors have been faithful, how they have shown honor and have revered God, and they were supposed to be carrying on that legacy as well. God was encouraging them to keep up and preserve what they have started, and in that way they can continue to be the example of what it means to honor God. And in that way, they can also experience the promises, the blessings that come with it. You know, we often say more than outward acts, what is important before God is our hearts, right? But I think on the other hand as well, is that the reality is, more often than not, what one does as an action reveals what is truly in his or her heart as well. I've found this funny anecdote which I think speaks a lot of the truth of what is really in our hearts or in our minds or is reflective of how we really do our acts before the Lord. It says, funny how a hundred peso bill looks so big when you take it to church, but so small when you take it to a restaurant. Funny how big an hour serving God looks and how small 60 minutes are when spent playing video games, chatting, or simply bumming. Funny how long a couple of hours spent at church, but how short they are when watching a Netflix series. Funny how we get thrilled when a basketball game goes into overtime, but we complain when a sermon is longer than the regular time. Funny how laborious it is to read a chapter in the Bible and how easy it is to read two to three hundred pages of a best-selling novel. Funny how we can't think of anything to say when we pray, and don't have any difficulty thinking of things to talk about to a friend. Funny how people are so consumed with what others think about them rather than what God thinks about them. While we may understand and desire to revere God in the utmost of ways, there's always a temptation to just settle, to tolerate the bare minimum that we can offer to God. That somehow, making the effort for God is always not worth it, especially if it's going to be inconvenient or impractical. Sometimes we even make the justification to say that God should be happy and content that at least we complied. What is important is we get the job done. Now, one of our greatest encouragements as a church since this lockdown, as families began to worship together as one unit in their homes, is how they have actually conducted uh, their own services in their own special way. We have been told of some who actually even dress up. They even set a schedule. They make it a point as if they are really coming to a church, as if they are going elsewhere. And they did that to a high standard, to the point that they know that what they are doing is not a small deal. It is the worship of the Lord. You see, making it evident that we indeed honor God, that we give Him the highest regard that we can give 
It is, is to acknowledge Him even in the smallest of things. And it is to do so consistently even if it entails sacrifice and inconvenience. And I hope that is the heart attitude that we have as well when it comes to giving reverence to God. It is not a small deal. Now let's move on to the second aspect that God wants to deal with. And this is with regards to righteousness. Verses 6 and 7 reads this. The law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and turned many away from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. At this time, God affirms that the tribe of Levi was the one who championed to live out the righteousness of God. They exemplified their life grounded in the truth, and they were being God's instruments to the people in their words, in their works, and in their witness. In, in their words, they taught and they spoke the truth. In their works, they lived their life and character marked by godliness. They walked according to the ways of God. They kept their integrity in check, and they led people away from sin. In their witness, they continued to grow and to mature in their knowledge of God's truth. They kept God's law in their hearts and in their minds. And that enabled them to establish a deep conviction and prepared them to be capable to guide and give instructions as the people needed it. As one commentator mentioned, as the life of a community depends upon the keeper of its water supply to guard that supply from loss or contamination, so the life of Israel depended upon its priest to preserve God's written word and effectively dispense it when men should seek it. In other words, just like the priests of old, God was charging the priests of Malachi as well as to us today that we are to be a reliable source and the very guardians of righteous instructions. We are to be the example whom people can emulate and look up to, whom people can depend on for spiritual guidance, we who will faithfully point them towards God and His Word. And that is the encouragement as well of God and the challenge that is being shared to us when it comes to preserving God's righteousness. It is for us to uphold the righteousness of God by His standard. To uphold the righteousness of God by His standards. We see, as God's ambassadors, living out righteousness is and must be our trademark. It is the demonstration or evidence of our life's allegiance and as to who we represent. I'm sure you're familiar whenever you drop by a brand store that when you go inside, the people there are wearing their brands and they would speak of it, they would testify of it, they would as if be proud of what they sell or what they promote. However, the big difference is when you actually talk to them, when you, how they actually interact with the people they sell their product to. Others would be very, very lame, while there are those that will be very, very convinced and are so sold out with how good their products are that they are going to be so convincing and they are even uh, going to share their products with conviction. Now, I think the same is true when it comes to upholding righteousness. 
that one should be able to be bold to speak up, that we would be able to live lives that express that we are fully convinced of God's truth. We're not just paying lip service or going through the motions. Rather, we are being proactive and being mindful because we are pursuing a life of truthfulness. You see, when we are talking about righteousness, it isn't about any definition of what is right or wrong, but that which God has set in His Word based upon His standards. When you and I seek to represent God well and in the most honorable way that we can, the most important thing is that we know Him well enough so that we can represent Him properly. I remembered of the story of a host who was hosting an event for a brand named Krispy Kreme. It was its launching here in the Philippines, and they were having a program. And one of his roles was to actually introduce and call in the president or the, the owner of their company. And as they were doing their program already, they were going through what was happening, and, and the time came when the president was about to be called up. And as he was calling in, he said the words, And now, let us welcome Mr. Donut himself, <laughs> the president of Krispy Kreme. And guess what? It was mentioned that it happened in a place where the competitor brand was actually across them. Must be really embarrassing when you think about it. But that is why the same timely reminder is important for us. To give focus, to devote ourselves to grow and to know the Lord from His Word. To memorize scriptures more than just casual reading to study, to meditate, to know really who God is and His standards. Because at the end of the day, if you want to uphold righteousness, it must be based upon His standards. And it must be in ways that will bring honor to Him as well. How about you? Can you confidently say that you are being God's effective mouthpiece? One who boldly speaks up for the truth on behalf of God. Are our lives strongly evidenced by our relationship with God in such a way that people can attest that we are living out righteousness and our lives are marked by integrity and uprightness? Are you intentional in growing your knowledge of truth? I challenge us, know God's word more deeply and discern even the differing opinions of this world in that we are ready to give an answer should people inquire of us of our faith because we are being messengers of God in this earth. Moving on to our last section, here God is going to give them the warnings because of how they have not done justice to the righteousness of God. So verse 8 and 9 reads this, But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people, because you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. You see, what further evoked God's disappointment was that they disobeyed and deviated from the truth themselves. And if that wasn't enough, they even caused many to stumble 
that they've even promoted and tolerated their sin. And in that way, they have shown a partiality in the law. They were selective in their obedience and in their instruction. They simply tell people what they want to hear, but they weren't strong or bold with what they need to hear. And so as the priests have despised the Lord and corrupted His righteousness, He's warning them that He's also going to treat them with disgrace and displeasure. And so is the same warning ringing true for us, which says, compromise of God's righteousness may lead to God's disgrace. Compromise of God's righteousness may lead to God's disgrace. In our day and age when truth is based upon feelings and opinion, when the world tells us that there is no such thing as an absolute truth, and each one is entitled to his or her own version of reality or truth, it is crucial all the more that we guard ourselves and heed this warning seriously. You see, to be in a generation wherein the basis of one's identity and influence is in the number of your followers or likes, keep in mind that going with the majority or the popular choice is never God's way to determine righteousness. See, the irony of today is that people are more concerned of people's opinion of them rather than God's opinion of them. People worry so much with more of their image with people than how God expects to see them. There was a story of a Christian guy who started a job in a company whose workers had a reputation of being ungodly. And so a friend of his, hearing upon this decision of his friend, mentioned to him that if your colleagues ever find out you're a Christian, you're going to be in for a hard time. But the man continued to proceed and started to work. And after a year, this man came back for a visit home. And while he was in town, he again met that friend who actually predicted that he would receive ridicule and persecution from his workers in the company. Well, the friend asked, did they give you a hard time because you were a Christian? The man replied, oh, no, not at all. They didn't give me a bit of trouble. In fact, they never found out I was a Christian. You see, it is imperative that if we are to uphold righteousness, it cannot be in secret. It is imperative that if we want to strengthen our convictions and stay with what is true and approved of God, we must be bold about it. We must be open about it. Not only to ourselves, but also to be bold about it even in the presence of others. Being the very people that God would rely and count on to be salt and light in this world, Remember that we are held to a higher degree of accountability. Take to heart that pursuing God's righteousness is not just about you. Your testimony brings about major impact and influence. There was a story of a train that plunged into a river and over an opened drawbridge, and 18 people died from it. The bridge engineer said he put up the red flag warning the train in sufficient time to stop. The train engineer said that the flag was white and therefore he felt that the bridge was there and it was safe to actually cross. After the examination, it came out that the flag was red, 
but it was actually faded. And therefore, at a distance, it appeared white. And in the same way, our faded testimony can do just that as well. It can misdirect others, it can stumble them, and even cause them to sin. When you and I do not take to heart God's appeal to uphold righteousness firmly by His standard, remember that they may even make or break someone else's eternity. See, righteousness is not a very popular idea. But mind you, it is God's idea. Someone has said it is better to be despised for the right than be praised for the wrong. Remember that God is a holy God and our righteous living is a serious and honorable matter to Him. As Abraham Lincoln even once said, I care not if God is on my side. My constant hope and prayer is that I may be found on God's side. If I were to put together and we can condense what our principle that we can learn from this segment of Malachi chapter 2 is that diligence in upholding God's reverence and righteousness spares us God's discipline and disgrace and reaps us God's regard and reward. Diligence in upholding God's reverence and righteousness spares us God's discipline and disgrace and reaps us God's reward and regard. You see, as God's chosen people, He puts a very high premium in the way we would revere Him and live right for Him. What God expects is that His people to take it seriously to show reverence to Him, to live out righteousness, and to be His faithful ambassadors who will live lives that will make a godly impact and cause others to emulate. Yes, our God is a gracious and loving God, but God's warning is that He does get disappointed when we do not take Him seriously. And if we fail to live a life that ascribes to Him the honor that He rightfully deserves. A lack of reverence and watering down of righteousness, to say the least, God calls sin, and they are never acceptable to God. I remember of a church member who scolded her pastor when he preached on a series, The Sin of the Saints. After all, she argued, the sins of Christians are different from the sins of other people. Yes, I agree, said the pastor. In fact, they are worse. They're worse for when believers sin, they not only break the law of God, but they break the heart of God. You see, when a believer deliberately sins, it isn't just disobedience to a master or a rebellion against the king. It is the offense of a child against a loving father. You know, at the end of the day, ultimately I pray that what will motivate us to give God the reverence due Him, to live righteously for His name's sake, is because we understand the love of God and for that we are motivated to love Him back in return. That because of His unconditional love and His undying grace in our life, we realize that what He deserves from us, with the, even with the little that we can give, is to love Him back in return. And that is to, or by, showing Him the honor that He deserves 
and also to live a life that represents Him that is righteous in His sight. How about you? How seriously are you taking God to heart? Do you offer God less than your best, thinking He would not mind anyway? Remember, they show how much you honor or revere God. Are you constantly concerned about living righteously? Has your life taught or shown partiality, causing others to stumble? I hope it is not. Rather, you are influencing them closer to God. Remember, diligence in upholding God's reverence and righteousness spares us God's discipline and disgrace, and they reap us God's regard and reward. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come before you this time to give you thanks because you are a loving and gracious God. We come before you as well to ask for forgiveness, to pray, O God, that you would cleanse us from the many times, Father, that we have taken you for granted, for the times that we have settled for mediocre means or ways that we do just to get by stuff, but not giving the best honor that we can do for you. We ask for forgiveness, O God, for the wrongs that we have done, for disregarding the importance of your righteousness, thinking it's okay, we just ask for forgiveness. It is our prayer, Father God, that as we have learned and as we have been challenged, Father, from your word, we would even more be encouraged to live lives that are in honor of you and in in a righteous way that will be a testimony for your name's sake. I pray, O God, that you will bless the words that have been spoken and that you, O Lord, will be honored above all. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.